The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined, as always... By Jason Munns, our Tiger Tiger basketball beat writer. Munns, we're going streaking. Four-game winning streak for the Tigers after uh, another win over Tulane, setting up a uh, another showdown with Houston. How you feeling? We're on a roll, man. We're 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 like butter, as they say. We're on a roll. <laughs> that's a horrible joke. Come on, man. That's a great joke. That's a that's a Stewart. Isn't that a Stuart Scott special? Is it okay? I don't know. Uh, I could be wrong. I, I, I may have. I may have. I may. I may be mixing up people, but it's a classic. Well, regardless, uh, the Tigers uh, back healthy again. Um, get two. Uh, are have four wins in a row. The last two of which coming in fairly impressive style. They blow out UCF at home last weekend, and then follow it up Wednesday night with an 11-point win over Tulane in which, if I'm not mistaken, they never trailed. Tulane tied it at one point in the first half, but Memphis never trailed in the game. Um, and so it, it's it's the revenge tour, Jason. We've, we, we've gotten revenge over ECU, revenge over Tulsa, we should say, at Tulsa, although they beat them, twi- they beat them earlier. But, you, you, know. still, yeah, you could still count that as a revenge yeah. game. Yeah. Revenge that, over Tulsa, revenge over ECU, revenge over UCF, revenge over Tulane. And now you have a game which is probably the only revenge they actually really care about uh, yeah. against Houston, a team that kept you out of the NCAA tournament last year. Um, but um, let's look first before we look ahead to that big Houston game on Saturday and really a big week, uh, probably the defining week for this Memphis basketball program with three straight road games against Houston, Cincinnati, and then SMU. Um, Let's look back at this four-game winning streak, Jason, and specifically these two games that Memphis has played with basically everyone at its disposal except Imani Bates, Um, with DeAndre Williams, Landers Nolly, and Jalen Duran specifically back from injury. Um, I guess as you survey what Memphis accomplished these last two games, um, what were your biggest takeaways, impressions? Like, why should Memphis fans feel confident that this team is, you know, on a roll and going to stay on a roll, given what we've seen the last couple games? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get too, like, in the weeds with this because – this season has, as we've seen, or not just this season, the last <clears throat> couple of seasons, is that uh, Memphis has a tendency to not always do what they're supposed to do. Um, you know, we talked about the losses to Tulsa in the last couple of years. We, you know, there's been there's been other times where they were supposed to, you know, handle their business. They they, they on paper they they were. You know, they, it was like whatever, 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 whatever happened 
in certain cases defied what was supposed to happen based on, you know, what was on paper. So again, I, I don't think we need to overthink it. They, they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're playing uh, middling teams or bad teams at home and beating them. Uh, I mean, and, and doing it in convincing fashion. Their last three wins over East Carolina at home, UCF at home, and Tulane at home, average margin of victory is 18.7 points per game. Mm-hmm. that's that's pretty that's not bad you know what i mean like these these are these that's that's good results that's what you're supposed to do if you're memphis um you know they're healthy and they're looking good uh they've looked good getting healthy um and you can go all the way back to tulsa when chandler lawson played his first game in two months and alex lomax got back into the lineup after being held out for what five or six games whatever it was and then you know, you get you get through Tulsa, you get through East Carolina, you, you get to UCF, and you get DeAndre Williams back, and Jalen Duran is back, and um, Landers Nolly and Jaden Hardaway, and and so yeah, so like they're they're getting they're healthy, they're winning, and they're looking good doing it, and um, those those are probably my yeah those are probably my biggest impression. Can I get in the weeds then? Since you're, you, yes. since you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to uh, do any gardening today. One of us has to, I think. Okay, so I leave it. To I'm going to give you some specific reasons and things that I've seen of why this might be more than a four-game winning streak. If you know what I mean, like you know, obviously it's the first time they've won four games in a row since they started the year five and zero, I believe. And yep. and um. I think we've seen some clear, some things emerge that make you think this is different than when they started 5-0. and This is different than any point in the season. Even though, as you pointed out, they basically, what they've, re- what, if you really want to break it down simply, they've, they've beaten four teams they were supposed to beat. And that's an improvement because, you know, they were losing games they were favored in earlier this year. Um, but, so... First off, the return of DeAndre Williams and Jalen Duran can't, you know, like they, that is a fearsome front court. They had matching double doubles last night against Tulane. Um, and they just give Memphis a presence inside that, you know, maybe only Houston can match within the league. And, and, you know, they are, both of them have been, you know, DeAndre dealt with some foul trouble in his first game back against UCF. Um, but both of them have been really good uh, inside. You know, for instance, last night with the two of them on the floor, Memphis outscored Tulane by 14 points. Um, and total in the in these two games, with those two on the floor, Memphis has outscored the opposition by 27 points total. So they're 27 points better than UCF and Tulane with DeAndre Williams and Jalen Duran on the floor. But I would tell you that in the best perform and and we should point out the this these last two games were the first time they had Landers Nolly, DeAndre Williams, and Jalen Duran since the Wichita State game. Like all three had all three of them in the game at the same time. Or in the game in, available at the same time. And, and obviously know, the Wich- what's that? Yeah, I was gonna say we know we know what happened at Wichita State is a road yes. game. And and Memphis Memphis beat them by eighteen. The, la- the last four times they've had those three players available are Alabama, Wichita State, 
and then the last two games. So, um, and I think it's specifically DeAndre and Jalen. I think, you know, probably the two best players on this team. Um, and so having them back has made a, a noted difference. But those guys have been difference makers all year, I would argue, when they've when they've played well. Um, one thing that's emerged in these this four game winning streak, or two things, two players that I think are it's kind of getting lost in the shuffle a little bit because some of the things they do aren't necessarily putting the ball in the basket, um, and they're not like you know they're not like Durin, he's like like amazing physical specimens. Alex Lomax and Lester Quinones have significantly raised their level of play the last four games. Um, there is no two-player combination since Memphis got whole again the last two games that has a better plus-minus than when Alex Lomax and Lester Quinones are on the floor. When those two have been on the floor against UCF and Tulane, Memphis outscored UCF and Tulane by 36 points combined. Okay? Alex Lomax over the last four games is averaging 7.3 points, 3.8 assists, and only one turnover per game, okay? Lester Quinones has three straight double-digit scoring efforts. He's averaging 11.8 points over his last four games and shooting 50% from three-point range during those four games. Um, So you're getting better guard play. And then you add in, you know, Tyler Harris, who we've seen his scoring punch. He was plus 18 in the second half against UCF. So you're looking for a player who helped really, you know, who was on the court the entire time when Memphis turned that game into a blowout. It was it was Tyler Harris was part of that, uh, a big part of that. Um, so you're getting you're getting much better guard play than you were getting earlier in the season, much more consistent guard play than you were getting. And then for the first time this season, Jason. They've held an opponent. They've held each opponent. They've held the, the opponent the last three games under thirty three point three percent or worse shooting. The last three games, they hadn't done that all year. So the defense uh, has gotten much better. Field goal percentage. You talking? Yes. Yes. The last three games, the opponent has shot under thirty three point three percent or three. Last night, you, uh, Tulane shot thirty three point three percent from the field, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, and so it's just, you know, so the defense is picked up as well. Um, and so those are some things I look at. And then the other part is, I know, I know Penny is still playing 11 guys and still has a tendency to play lineups that not only don't make sense, but then don't work. And, and it could be something that costs them now that the schedule ramps up this week. But he also has, I think, for the most part in the second halves of games, narrowed his rotation down to nine. And a very clear rotation has emerged in that we mentioned the two, you know, Lomax and Quinones are giving you steady guard play along with Harris. You've got DeAndre and and, uh, Jalen down low. Landers has, you know, he had a poor game against... uh, he had a lot of turnovers, I should say, against Tulane, but he gives you some timely shooting, it feels like. Um, a valuable guy, especially having someone like that off the bench. 
You know, you got the energy provided by Josh Minot. Um, and then I think the steadiness and headiness of Chandler Lawson inside has been a really encouraging development. I think he's giving you I think he's giving you more of what this team needs than Malcolm Dandridge was in that backup big role because Malcolm's effectiveness it felt like was dependent on him scoring and that this team didn't need that. They don't need the ball in Malcolm Dandridge's hands. What they need is a rebounder, shot blocker, defender, ball mover. That's what Chandler Lawson is. He's not a guy who needs to score to be effective. And so there's eight guys right there. You throw in, you know, Earl Timberlake, who's been starting and I think is a very useful player as like an undersized four. I mean, right there, that's a nice nine-man rotation. And it feels like with some clear-cut roles for every guy. Um, and that's what this team has been yearning for, searching for, for the longest time. And it feels like over these last two to four games, you've seen that emerge. Um, now, Penny, when he's interviewed about it, you know, Jaden Hardaway and Malcolm Andrews haven't been playing much lately. And he says, don't don't necessarily view that as like, that's what's going to happen the rest of the year. Like, he's, I think he's still going to play 11 guys. And if Amani Bates ever comes back, he'll play 12. And, you know, maybe it ends up costing him. I, I'm kind of done harping on it just because that's just who Penny is. For better or for worse, that's who he is as a coach. He plays a lot of guys and plays some funky lineups. Occasionally they work. More often than not, they don't. But it's just, you know, every coach has his flaws and you have to over, you know, just like every player has his flaws, and you got to figure out a way to overcome it. You know, rotation management happens to be one of Penny's probably flaws, but, and you just got to deal with it. You just got to, you know, you got to, like, it's not, he's not going to change at this point in, during the season. Um, but the encouraging thing is it feels like he has found some combinations that really make sense and work. Um heading into some of these big games. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it's very interesting. There, There is a very clear, there is a first half penny and a second half penny um, very clearly. And I know last night against Tulane, there were some foul issues that contributed to this a little bit, but how many guys do you think played 10 minutes or more in the second half? How many guys played 10 minutes or more? Yeah. I'm going to say, is it seven or eight? Five. Only five. Okay. Only five. Six played nine minutes or more. That's how it should be. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's a very clear, he played 11 guys in that game yesterday. Um, but Malcolm Dandridge and Jaden Hardaway didn't play at all in the second half. Uh, Chandler Lawson played four minutes in the second half. Josh Minot played four minutes in the second half. Alex Lomax, because of foul, he fouled out, played seven minutes in the second half. Earl Timberlake played nine, and and only five guys played uh, ten minutes or more. Landers, Tyler, DeAndre, Lester, and Jalen Duran. Um, and that's, yes, that you're, at, you're absolutely right. That's how it should be. Yeah. So, um, much like last year, you know, it's later than it should have been but it does feel like both Penny and the team are finding a groove as the calendar is now in February. Um, again, you wish they wouldn't repeat the same mistake again in that they took too long to reach this point. Um, even before the injuries, 
You know, like they didn't they they were not able to settle on who they were and what they were early enough. Um, but here we are, Jason, on February 10th, heading into this key three game stretch. And, you know, it feels like it, what's been remarkable about just the, this four game win streak is how the narrative seems to be shifting a little bit, or at least Memphis has given itself a chance to change the narrative of the, of its season. Like it's still the, the Memphis is still known, especially nationally as kind of a, you know, disappointing underachiever this year. But if they can get into the tournament here down the stretch, the NCAA tournament and this program drought, that's a real accomplishment. That's a bit, that's a big time accomplishment. Um, for the program and for Penny Hardaway, especially given how, you know, topsy-turvy this season has been. And here we're sitting on February 10th. They're like next four out in Joe Lenardi's bracketology with three, as of today, three quad one games in a row on the road. Now, there's a scenario. What's that? That's not going to stand. Yeah, probably not. No, like, I mean, ultimately, if you beat Cincinnati, Cincinnati's probably not going to be a quad one game anymore. Um, and, and so, um, but nonetheless, it starts Saturday against a Houston team and it feels, you know, I think you phrased it to Penny last night as deja vu and it sort of feels that way right now. That's how this is setting up where it feels like Memphis has given it, put itself in position with the right results to get into the NCAA tournament. But you do wonder can they get in without a win over Houston, the clear best team in the league, the one with the best metrics, and you've got two chances. It appears this year the league won't take one of them away uh, like they did last year. Um, but you you go to Houston Saturday with a chance if you win Saturday, you know, there's a chance when you look up on Sunday or Monday in the new bracketology, you're in the field with a win like that. Now, Houston's coming off a loss to SMU last night, uh, their first conference loss. Um, but what do you make of the situation, Jason, as you survey this um, out? Because it does feel like, you know, it's not the best position Memphis is in, but it feels like a much better position than you probably would have predicted two weeks ago, even even if you had predicted they go on a four-game winning streak. I, I did not foresee this opening up the way it has. Yeah. I mean, you said it perfectly. Um, This, this is not, this is not, I think what even some of the most optimistic uh, people who follow the Memphis program would, would have said even two, three weeks ago, um, you know, it's, it's starting after the loss to SMU Memphis is in the, like they've, they've seen through, the best case scenario. They've beaten every team in front of them. Tulsa on the road. And as we mentioned, ECU, UCF, and now Tulane uh, with a chance to go into Houston and really, really make some noise and, and really get themselves back into a favorable position. And I mean, I'll, I'll admit, I, I didn't think there was any way after they lost to East Carolina on the road and, after uh, you know losing some of the games they lost early, I didn't think that there was any way that Memphis would would get into a position 
like this. I, I, I didn't, I didn't see a, a, a path. Um, well, I will say it underscores that it is really not that hard to make the NCAA tournament. And this is, this is a problem beyond Penny, like there's a program problem, but like the fact that it's been this long without an NCAA tournament berth, I think this year, the way this is all played out kind of underscores like just how kind of disappointing that drought is because it really isn't that hard to be an at-large team in the NCAA tournament. Like it's just not. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I certainly think there's some merit to what you're saying, but you know, like it, it definitely helps. Uh, and you and I have talked about this, the schedule they've played is, is helping them. St. Louis is a top 50 team in the net right now. Um, mm-hmm. Murray state is, is kicking butt, uh, still, um, you know, uh, no, in quad one and quad two, they're pretty good. Like they're, yeah. they're, they're five and six in quad one and quad two games right now. What's weighing them down is two quad three losses, the at ECU game and the at Georgia game. Yeah, and and what's crazy is, uh, so Georgia, let me look it up real quick. I know they almost, they they came very close to knocking off Auburn last week, was it? Yes. Uh, And then they almost beat someone else recently. um, They beat Alabama and they uh, lost to Auburn by two. And who was the other one? There was somebody else they played really, really close um, that you thought they had a shot against. But anyway, um, you know, they're 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 still two oh five in the net, though. Like it's going to be very you're not like I don't think that's going to not that's going to turn into a quad two. Yeah, it, yeah, it'd be, a, it'd be a stretch. But anyway, um, no, I, again, I, I think it's uh, it speaks to a lot of things, including what you mentioned, but also. Um, the unpredictable nature of, uh, you know, just, just how, how hard it is to predict what's going to happen when you're taking into account so many different variables. And, um, and, and no, I, I, you, you asked the question earlier, does Memphis have to be Houston at least once they got two games left against Houston? Do they have to beat them at least once to get into the NCAA tournament? My answer is yes. Um, I don't think it has to be on the road. Uh, that would certainly be great if you could if you could somehow go into that hornet's nest or, or what's what's more than likely going to be a, a big fat hornet's nest since they lost to SMU last night um, and and beat them. Um, something that has done has been done less than a handful of times since that building opened. Um, but you know I. I I don't think you have to go over there and win Saturday to get into the NCAA tournament. I think if that's the only game you lose from here on out, things are looking pretty good. I think, frankly, as long as they like don't lose to someone like USF, Can't lose to USF. cannot use lose to USF or like Temple, even like the home yeah. game against Temple. But like, I think they can probably go. They have seven games left, correct? After yeah, last night. I think that's right, yeah. If they go 5-2 and two and one of the wins is the home game against Houston, let's say they lose at SMU, um, it, I, think, I, I think then you're probably like right on the bubble going into the conference tournament. Right. If you go 6-1 and one with a win over Houston, I think you go into the conference tournament going, you know what, I think we got a decent shot as long as we don't lose our first-round game you know, in the conference tournament type of deal. Um, yeah. You almost feel like if you beat Houston, 
one out of two times, then it comes down to maybe that SMU game. I mean, as far as yeah, like, well, that's, since that's still a quad one game. I mean, that SMU game. And then, well, the other question is going to be, now you might need a Houston win because SMU got one. That's what and, I was going to say. And who knows? Like maybe the maybe the American can sneak three teams into the tournament, but that feels it feels more likely only two are going to get in. And if you're going to, you know, ultimately, I think it might end up being important that one you it, at the very least get a Houston win to match what SMU got, but also try and finish ahead of SMU in the regular season standings. Yes, um, that's what I was going to say. If you if you, even if you beat. Even if you split with Houston, but you get swept by SMU, it feels like because again, I don't know that I don't know that the AAC is getting more than two teams in unless there's a spoiler in the conference tournament. Yeah, and if you look at it right now, Memphis has moved into third place at seven and four, um, a game and a half back of SMU, who's eight and two in conference play, and then Houston sits at nine and one in conference play and. Um, so they're back, they're, they're back in a decent spot within the conference standings, although they're only, uh, a half game ahead of Cincinnati and Temple, um, and, uh, a game ahead of Tulane in the standings right now. But, um, Memphis in a pretty decent spot, all things considered. Um, so as we look ahead to this Houston game on Saturday, Jason, you mentioned you don't need to win at Houston. Um, not very many people win at Houston. Um, since the Fertitta Center opened on December 1st, 2018, was when the first game was played there at that renovated arena. Um, Houston has lost three home games total. Only That's one conference game. Um, and they have not lost there since December 5th, 2019 against Oklahoma State. So um, they have not lost in more than three years at home. So is remarkable it is going to be very difficult to be like take out like who's on the team like and kelvin sampson like they don't lose at home like and and like they haven't lost at home in more than three years so and it's going to be a sold out game it's going to be a you know it's on abc it's going to be a great atmosphere uh it and 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 let's just be honest if you look at it the other part, the other part of this four-game win streak, the last three games you mentioned when Memphis has looked particularly good, all at home. Memphis has not been a great road team this year. Yeah, with yeah. or without it, all of its players. You know what else Houston doesn't do? Mm-hmm. Lose back-to-back games. Yeah, they have lost. They have not lost back-to-back games since regular season. Since. January 2017 mm-hmm. when they yeah. were 21 and 11. Yeah. And they went uh, to the NIT. Yeah. Yeah. It was right before so, they went on this, started going on this run. I think it was like Samson's second year, maybe on the job, second or third year. It was his third year. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. uh, January 2017 and they lost three straight. And that's the last time they've lost consecutive games. That's a, Again, remarkable. Yeah. No, and, and they're a different team than last year in terms of personnel. Their identity is very much the same. The rugged, tough, um, but 
you know, Quentin Grimes is gone and they've they, Texas Tech transfer Kyler Edwards has kind of taken his role as the scorer, you know, the guy at the end of the shot clock who can go get you a bucket. Um, they lost Marcus Sasser to injury, their leading scorer, um, prior to getting injured. He might come back by the end of the year, it's, it sounds like. They, they initially said it was a season-ending foot injury, but he might come back. But I, he's not going to be available Saturday. Um, and they also lost Tremont Mark to a season-ending injury. Uh, he's the guy who hit the half-court shot last year when Memphis played at Houston to beat Memphis uh, when it looked like that game was headed to overtime. Um, and uh, But then inside... Fabian White is completely back from his knee injury, and him and Josh Carlton, a UConn transfer, um, they're like kind of like twin towers down there. Um, really imposing uh, duo. Um, Jamal Sheed has has stepped in really well with Sasser out. Um, he gives them a nice point guard option. Um, think of him as kind of their Dijon Giroux, like the new Dijon Giroux. Um, and nowhere near as long. And then I don't know what Reggie Cheney's status is, but he's kind of like they're they they're not very deep. They only go right. like seven eight deep, and don't especially in the backcourt they're really thin. Um, and Reggie Cheney's been dealing with injuries, one of their key reserves. So this will be a, a, the contrast in this game will be Memphis is going to play probably eleven guys. And Houston might only play six or seven, um, depending on Reggie Cheney's availability. Um, yeah, don't, forget, don't forget Houston. Uh, Houston's got Taze Moore, who's uh, yeah. who's playing well. South Haven's own, by the way, Taze. Oh, Moore. really? Yes, I didn't realize that. Gotcha. Yes. So, and those Memphis area guys always—I know he's Mississippi technically, but they always play well against. Yeah, like they tend to play well against Memphis. Yeah. Um, so, um, and then you've got the backdrop of. I mean, last year, those two losses were devastating and heartbreaking, both of them. You know, the the game in Houston where it looks like it's going OT and Tremont Mark hits this, like, miraculous half-court heave. And then in the conference tournament where you have the lead down the stretch in the conference tournament semifinals and missed free throws end up costing you and you lose by, what, two to Houston, I think, in the conference tournament? I think it was three. Um, three, whatever. Memphis should have won that game. You know, they, yep. they, they, they should have gone to OT in Houston, and they should have won the game in Fort Worth at the conference tournament. Instead, they don't win either, and they miss the end. You could, you know, it, it's funny. As you look back, Houston ended their NCAA tournament hopes last year, both in the tournament and just not being able to get a win. The year before that, there was no, there was no NCAA tournament. Um, right. And then yes. Penny's first year, they lost to Houston in the conference tournament as well. That, like they technically officially ended their NCAA tournament hopes that year. Like this has been, um, though Penny has one win over Kelvin Sampson, this has been his chief, you know, sort of obstacle within the conference. Um, and Memphis's chief obstacle within the conference the last three, four years, um, and they've been, I mean, you know what, Calvin Sampson's done a hell of a job. They're a final four team last year. And even with these injuries, unlike Memphis, who like, you know, kind of went in a tailspin for a second because of its injuries, Houston just kept winning when, once it got, it, once it had its two of its best players injured. So, um, it's going to be a, it feels like it's going to be a, 
a big time battle on Saturday. Although, you know, it's a tough hill to climb to beat Houston at Houston. Um, do you have any keys to the game, Jason, as you look at it? Yeah, ball movement, uh, physicality. I mean, you know, like we all know by now what, what Houston's DNA is. And it is hustle. It is uh, energy. It is effort. It is rebounding. Physicality. Right. Yeah, rebounding. It, it largely manifests itself in rebounding and um, making ball movement difficult. So, but, you know, if you can, if you can. And they're really good defensively again. Yeah. Like if you can, if you can get around the, the, uh, the fact that Houston makes life miserable by contesting sh- almost every shot you take, they're going to try to contest, um, and, and getting their hands in passing lanes and things like that, creating turnovers. Like if you can, if you can tire them out with, with really solid ball movement and get guys open by whipping the ball around, moving things from side to side really well, um, then, then you can have success. And then you, you don't have to win the rebounding battle to win the game. It, it certainly helps, but it's about limiting second chance opportunities. And Houston has always been a great offensive rebounding team. So like they're going to get theirs, but you gotta, you gotta keep defending. You can't allow them to just get easy second chance looks. And I think that's, you know, those to me, those are going to be the biggest keys to the game. Well, and and just the bottom line with it, you got to go out and beat Houston. Yeah. Like, they're generally speaking, I mean, last night you could argue they beat themselves because they, you know, Kyler Edwards misses those free throws at the end where they had a chance to win the game, right, win it. Um, and they are, by the way, one of their flaws, they are almost as bad at free throw shooting as Memphis uh, yes. the season. Um but generally speaking, they don't beat themselves. Like you, you right. gotta go out and take it from them. Um, they're not just gonna give it to you, especially at home. Um, so it is a big test. But I would underscore, you know, it's not do or die for Memphis. Like honestly, if you can if you can win at Cincinnati and at SMU after that, like yeah, I think you still be in a pretty good position going into the last four games of the regular season. If you can just like it, you have to think of it in terms of going two and one right. over the next three, and right. wh- whatever the one is, I don't think really matters that much. No, you know? I, agree. I agree. And if you go three and zero, oh, that's spectacular. You just don't really want to put yourself in a position where you know, like one and two, I still don't think is a total disaster. But you're looking at a then if you go one and two, you are looking at a situation where, okay, we got to win out. You know, we got to we got we have to beat Houston at the end of the year. We have to you know, we can't stumble anymore. And if you go on three, I I think, you know, you've wasted your the, the chance that you've given yourself, you know, that you've that you've crawled out of the hole to give yourself. You've wasted it. Frankly, one and two would feel like a waste too, a little bit. Um Because ultimately, if you're a tournament team, tournament team, a tournament team will go two and one and better in this stretch. That's the way I would look at it. If you're a fan, if you, if this truly, because that's what I think this is about. Like Memphis has shown signs of being a good team lately in that in the Wichita State game, in the Alabama game. Like they were good in those games, but they have not shown enough for you to say this is a good team. 
here's their chance to prove to everyone, both here locally who have been critical and nationally, the people who have been very critical. Like, here's the chance. This three-game stretch is your chance to show them we're a good team, you know? And um, I'm I'm anxious to see how they grab hold of that because I I do think the last two games have been very encouraging. Yeah, no, I I think – I think you're absolutely right. And and they control their own destiny. I mean, that's the other thing in all of this is they they they, they don't need, you know, it's like the the, the path to a, a good a good seed in the conference tournament is still there for them for the taking and uh uh improving their NCAA tournament at large resume is still right there in front of them. They 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 you know they've they've got they've got everything they could ask for and hope for at this stage of the season, you know, outside of being in the driver's seat um, outright. Well, given what they've given the damage they did to themselves. Yeah. I don't think you could really ask for more than what they've, what they've given themselves now at this point, or, yeah. you know? So yeah. um, exciting week ahead for Memphis basketball, potentially a defining week for Penny Hardaway in this program as it is in this era, if you will. Um, so I, you know, it should be a lot of fun. Hopefully, it, it, this is what co- this is the best part of college basketball. Games like these that are coming up, um, yeah. where the te- you can cut the tension with the knife. The stakes are really high, and um, you know these kids are gonna let you know these players are gonna lay it out, lay it all out there. Like I fully expect, you know, Memphis is gonna these these are these are the types of games that you know. Uh, you know, define players and coaches, really, um, you know, how you perform and whether you can win these games. So um, we'll have tons of coverage of it over at commercialpeel.com. Jason will be down in Houston this weekend um, chronicling it all. Um, so uh, make sure you're checking out commercialpeel.com. Lots of coverage leading into the game uh, on Saturday and uh, leading out of it uh, going into those two big road games against Cincinnati and SMU. Jason, anything else you'd like to add? No, no. I think we've pretty much covered everything. Just go big game. Big yeah, game. yeah, right. College, game, go, go, go sports. Go sports. All right. Well, till next week. After that Cincinnati game, we'll we'll check back in leading into another big game against SMU. But till then, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Thanks for listening and uh, enjoy Super Bowl weekend with two super big games. Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.